Hey everybody, we back. Another podcast coming to you. Um, this time, Stephen Drake and myself were sitting down again. We're going to talk about a recent shoot I went on, photographed and filmed Drake, and talk a little bit about gear. And then we're going to kind of dive into trophy hunting and why trophy hunting um, can be defined a lot of different ways and what it is to us. So hopefully you guys will enjoy this one. Let's jump in. Welcome back to the Hunting Photographer. Uh, Drake and I are in town during hunting season at the same time, which is shocker. Kind of weird, but uh, last week we did uh, six days in the mountains hunting mule deer. Drake yeah. was hunting. I was shooting photos and some video for Sitka, and that's kind of the latest from Bozo, Montana, from yeah. the hunting photographer. <laughs> the only reason I'm in town right now is because my truck's broken and I can't go anywhere. <laughs> so Zach, Zach took great opportunity of, of this. Uh... Yeah, so now Drake's mad that he passed this 3 by 3 No, no, no. <laughs> what if your truck was busted for the rest of the season? Well, that would just be a shame. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, but yeah, Zach and I spent six days out and... Um, I got to be the hunter this time, which is a nice change in pace. And yeah, it was fun to send, you know, two photographers out together to capture content. And like, obviously we weren't, we weren't like up there, like producing or like staging anything. It was, I was truly hunting mm-hmm. after mountain mule deer and, uh, um, yeah, so that was pretty sweet. But I, I will say that Zach hikes like a madman. <laughs> I was also like had a pretty good cold going, so like I'm I'm gonna pull the I had a cold card, but like, gosh, that boy can hike. So I just I'm so used to like I think carrying <laughs> too much equipment that I've just like developed a different tolerance level than most people. <laughs> <laughs> See, my tolerance level is like I have to wear I have to wear glasses when I hunt or photograph or anything, and. Basically, if I'm sweating so much that I'm fogging up my glasses, that means I'm going too hard. I need to slow gotcha. down. That's good. And like, maybe it was just really humid out, but we were like, I was fogging up the whole freaking time. <laughs> yeah, it's tough when it's in the snow, though. Yeah, it's tough. It wears you down because it's just so the footing's so unstable and uneven that you're just like constantly catching yourself. Yeah, we were riding a bunch of deadfall stuff too, so you just don't really know what you're going to step on and carrying cameras and trying not to fall and eat crap, or in my case, carrying a rifle, trying not to fall, or falling and having hopefully your setup's dialed that won't really be an issue. Um, Anyway, that's a whole can of worms. Yeah, I feel like we got a lot of good stuff for like not having to like overly communicate too much. Totally. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're a photographer and I'm a photographer and I'm just kind of like, I don't know. I just feel like it's so much easier. Like yeah. I felt like I barely had to say anything to you really the whole time. Yeah. It was just like. <laughs> yeah. Um, you directed um, it a little bit, but not. Yeah. It wasn't. But not as much of, as if it was someone that never done it. I'd have to like be yeah. constantly like. Yeah. Yeah. That's one super valuable thing. I mean, you know, whether you're going with another photographer and you both kind of have a similar mindset to where you don't need to communicate those things as much or, or like, you know, um, it's, it's really easy to communicate certain things. Like that's certainly, certainly a perk to photographing a photographer. Um, or just like, you know, if you're out there shooting photos of a buddy and like you kind of build a rapport, I guess, with them and like mm-hmm. an understanding and like, you know, over, over, years of time you know i've I've got a a few people that i've chased around with a camera for for a number of years now and like 
they totally get what I'm doing and they know how to kind of, I don't want to say work for the camera, but they, you know, they might see a shot that I might, I might see the same shot. We don't even have to say anything mm. and they'll just like, yeah, they might slow down as they walk over the ridge or like, you know, ask but, me like, yeah. Hey, am I lined up cool for this? And I'll just be like, yay or nay. And so that, that, that's a cool, like kind of, uh, I don't know, telekinesis, like you develop with someone. <laughs> Well, you just like, it's just, you understand the other person you see someone like hustling, like, oh, they're trying to get a shot right now. You might just like <laughs> slow down or like stop and like, I'm going to glass for a second while he gets in position. Yeah. I feel like he sees a shot he wants to get, you know, or just. Oh, I thought we were racing up the mountain actually. <laughs> no, the first night I was just getting up ahead of you trying to kind of motivate you. <laughs> yeah. I was struggle busting for sure. Yeah. It was probably because we just went and had a burger. And a beer. Well, let's let's down. talk about let's talk about why we had to do that. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, okay. So key we, takeaways. Yeah. Key takeaways. Uh, <laughs> I brought everything that I almost needed. My mic battery was dead. Mm-hmm. We did have to go back into town to get a stupid nine volt battery. Yeah. But we did get a burger and a beer out of the deal. Yeah. But that really weighed me down like the, it, next, it, the, the rest it of the hike. It was, was pretty much. <laughs> no hindrance to our hunt but <laughs> no. there was something else that i forgot too at some point i don't think i had triple a batteries my headlamp was super dim <laughs> oh, yeah. but then i bought i did i just got that headlamp that you have oh did you yeah nice total headlamp product plug no shame i'm not sponsored by them either but it's it's a phoenix that's f-e-n-i-x like hl60r yeah super rad headlamp takes like one big battery it's rechargeable with usb cable there's no up or down on it, so like it doesn't matter if you put like yeah. how you put the headlamp on, it's always going to be in the right position. So, yeah, it's super bright. Yeah, and like the highest output setting is like 900 lumens, so you can, if you're scared of the dark at all, you can just like light up the planet, which is really nice because when you're navigating in like really nasty terrain, yeah, at at dark, like when we went down to New Zealand, it's some like pretty sketchy descents, and like Ben pretty much brought like a super bright flashlight yeah you're trying like to like see ahead, yeah because you want to see like two three hundred yards out like is that where we want to go yeah. and you don't always need that with hunting but like man i guess when you're behind someone that has like a nice bright spot headlamp you're like you're a little dim one you're kind of like eh, this is not <laughs> yeah totally. like if i could see better i'd be more stoked yeah i probably wouldn't fall as much <laughs> I use my headlamps a lot. I mean, I, I've always got two. I've got an emergency headlamp, and then I've got my main one. But uh, I'll use them for lighting scenes a lot of times or adding a fill light on a long exposure. Oh, yeah. Like, I end up using my headlamps a lot for imagery. Like, I <clears throat> I rarely carry a flash unit, mainly because they're heavy, and you just, you just I just never seem to really use them. Um, so instead, what I do is I'll just set up a couple headlamps on a scene if I, if I do need to light it. Um, so just throwing in some some light with your headlamp works out pretty well yeah but. phoenix hl 60 r buy it now buy it now <laughs> do it <laughs> um yeah uh another thing that was a little different on this trip was like we were in a pretty open area that i didn't want to disclose through imagery oh, yeah. and so um yeah I knew that I wanted to shoot more long lens stuff mm-hmm. and like shallower depth of field. And I did rent a few lenses, but one of them that I was pretty stoked on was a 105 
Dude, I didn't even know that thing existed. Yeah. But I guess you shoot Nikon, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, <clears throat> I pretty much just, I only shot on, with one camera body, which is not <laughs> <laughs> recommended, but I. Yeah, he was so I, light, just running I, around the mountain. <laughs> I'm just like, man, I trust that boy I down. trust that, like, something really bad is going to have to happen, and Drake's a photographer, so he's always going to have a body on him. So I just took one, but I had my D850. <laughs> I had an 80 to 400 that I later found out is like super soft on one side of the frame. We'll get to that. Uh, I had a 105 1.4 from Nikon. I had a Sigma Art 35 1.4. You rented that as well, right? Yep. And then I had a Nikon 24 to 72.8. And um, I don't know. I kind of, I mean, man, if I didn't do hunting, I would probably just shoot on primes. Yeah. I just love shooting on like a prime lens. Yeah. Well, why do you say that if you didn't do hunting? Like, well, just it's nice to have that zoom like on the fly. Yeah. You know, like if you're for this hunt, we were more like it's a lot of just like hiking, but not like it's pretty steep. So we're not hiking super fast. There's a lot of breaks. And then there's a lot of like time spent glassing. So like I have probably more ability to like move around you or my subject to get the framing i want but like during archery season where you're maybe like super like run and gun yeah like having the zooms like you just can't beat it totally yeah but the look of primes and just ah. yeah <laughs> i mean a 24 to 70 is hard to beat too but yeah that's like a staple lens yeah. for a camera kit i think but uh, where, where'd you rent um your lenses from just from borrow lens okay, um cool yeah if you like sign up on their thing they're always sending out like promos you can always get like oh. i saw what it 15 is 15 like, to 30 percent off and like yeah two I think free it days was like, multiple percent i off. think i rented like three lenses for like a week for i don't know 280 300 bucks maybe cool yeah and it was probably like four thousand dollars worth of lenses yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I rented a 100 to 400 for about a month and it was like 400 bucks total mm -hmm. maybe. And I, I mean, the main reason I ranched it is we shot a, a video series called Anyone's Hunt. Uh, we did an antelope, ar archery antelope hunting in Montana. And kind of my, my whole goal with that specific lens was to, be able, was to be able to capture like hunter and animal in the same frame and hopefully get like a slow motion like video clip of like an arrow flinging in an antelope. And we yep. got it, but it, it was a really sick lens. And for only 400 bucks to rent it, rent it for like a month, yep. like that's a sweet deal. So. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> on this particular shoot, we were there was like a pretty heavy like product focus, and I guess just as like an aspiring photographer, if you're listening, like like learning ways to shoot product in a way that doesn't feel really cheesy and staged, it can definitely be tough, and it's it's something though that you can practice on any shoot because everybody's wearing some type of product, whether you're shooting for them or not, and you can just focus on like okay how would i show some of like the details or is this in use and like start to figure that out because it can be tough i think if you're just thrown like into the fray of like hey go shoot product oh i've yeah. never done it but okay <laughs> um and brands are definitely like the bigger they get and the more advanced marketing is and like just being able to integrate products into like your content and do it in an authentic way is important so i mean like at the end of the day brands like their goal is to sell product. Yep. 
And so, so the better that you can show it in the field and use, make it look good, like, you know, make your model or your hunter like look the best, you know, because a lot of times the brand or the creative director is going to have like a very, you know, probably frustrating, like attention to detail. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and the more you can like think about that and try to channel some of that, (laughs) creative director's vision into your own work like probably the less photos you're gonna be like yeah that one doesn't work because there's like you know like the zipper wasn't right there like the layer there's something off like i had a layering shot of you throwing on a piece and like you can see your stomach which i don't think is a big deal but i could see how like at a brand they'd be like oh i don't know i thought you were gonna say my fly was unzipped but (laughs) You probably got a lot of those too, though. <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't notice that in any of the photos, but, <laughs> but yeah, just little things, you know, with product and trying to like just show it and not the super standard, like, oh, here it is laying on the ground or like, yeah, here's a guy using that zipper. Tough. It's like, uh, do you have any like <laughs> tips for trying to figure out how to do that better? Like for shoots for people? Cause you've shot product stuff too. Yeah, I mean, I I got into it, and obviously, I don't think anybody gets into it to shoot product photos, um, so I, I got into it more from an experiential base, sort of like, you know, shoot, like, like I'm looking at a photo on my wall right now, it's like, small subject, in, or, you know, people in the, the, the bottom right corner, and like, this huge, wild, crazy landscape, and it's like, that's what, like, you know, makes me stoked on photography, so shooting, shooting, like, unique product shots is not it's just kind of like eh. so I, I personally don't love it but you know it being in the space that we are like you certainly have to do it and you work with brands like again brands are trying to sell um sell products so trying to kind of do both you know like take an epic scene and then also kind of put a little product spin in it um, into it as well and so you know having your subject like like a, like an easy one is like a layering shot and i think for, for Sitka, like we, we shoot these just kind of all the time where it's like you know a guy maybe he's pulling his jacket or his puffy layers out of his backpack and then he's like throwing it on yeah and like just that that motion of like the person throwing it on um, can look kind of cool and there's there's been a few times where and i think you maybe had me do this a couple times too where it's like i threw it on and you're like no do it again so i pulled it off yeah. i threw it on again and so um again speaking specifically to the layering shots like one cool thing you can do is like obviously you can like freeze the frame where it's like the jacket's kind of like up in the air like one sleeve or one hands in the sleeve um so you'd shoot kind of a fast faster shutter for that another thing you could do is you could like slow the shutter down to like i don't know say say one fifteenth of a second you could kind of get this cool like blur motion shot of this guy like mm-hmm. it just it just kind of shows that there's, there's like more action and movement happening um, in the photo. So yeah. I don't know, just a couple kind of simple layering. I think it's tips. like people think it's not fun cause it's, it, it can be very like checklist. Yeah. Deal. <laughs> yeah. But I think when you can do it really well, like, uh, I mean, those are the best photos when yeah. you could show like, Oh, like that's why that piece or that product was designed for that moment in time. Yeah. Or like, that type of experience is the is where that product shines you know whether it's a late season hunt or an early yeah. archery hunt i don't know i just think that like merging of like studio work and like the experience where you can still like have a dope photo that 
<clears throat> shows like a product really well. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's just super valuable as a photographer. Like if you're going to make your money on product or on experience, like product's going to win out every time. Oh, for sure. You know, <laughs> for so sure. it's some, it's a good thing to think about. I get hit up a lot on product photographer, like brands reach out like, Hey, like obviously we see you do this more experiential side of things. Like, do you also do product photography? Mm. And like, I really don't. And like, that's, you know, that's a missed opportunity. Mm on my part but it's also yeah. a huge opportunity for someone that wants to yeah kind of tackle that more for sure so yeah but yeah it's just feeling out different like types of shots you know like i was shooting um some of the backpacks a little bit it wasn't like a main focus for me but it's there almost the entire yeah. hunt so like you should shoot it and like there was one photo of you, you know, where like everybody can relate to like hiking and you just sit down with your pack on. And if it's heavy and you have camp on it, sometimes it's a little bit of like not a struggle to get up, but you're like, you got to put a little effort into like getting back on your feet, you know, where you're like, you can tell you're like just leaning forward to like stand up, like rifle full pack. Like to me, that's a cool product shot Yeah, that like shows the experience of hunting rather than just a guy standing yeah on a ridge line yeah wearing a pack you know what i mean like you always need your subject feels... to do something yeah like static shots of a guy just standing there glassing like whatever you, you always shoot some just because you do glass a lot but it's like adding some sort of action into your images or like getting again like if you need to direct a little bit like asking your photo subject to do something or if like yeah. kind of focus on those moments when there's a little bit of action happening even if it's zipping up a zipper, like, yeah. you know, it can be as simple as that. Or, like, if the wind's really ripping and they, they grab their jacket and they, like, zip up the, the front center zip, it's, like, that's way cooler than them just standing there wearing, you know, the product. Yeah. So people can be, like, oh, that's obviously a warmer piece and a warmer outer layer. Yeah. Um, so sim- simple stuff like that. So explain to us, give us, let's talk about hunting. We're hunting mountain mule deer. Yep. Montana's not... <laughs> They exist. Big ones do exist, but they're very few and far between. And you're definitely not punching the tag every year unless either you have insane amounts of time or low standards. But if you want to shoot like a 170 plus mountain buck, it's probably not happening every year. Yeah. Uh, and especially if you want to like push over 180, like it's pretty tall times. <laughs> uh, it's done. And some guys make it look easier than others. But I think explain to us what your goal is with your mountain mule deer hunting and what you're looking to shoot and why you passed the three point. Yeah. Cause I think it's interesting dynamic. Totally. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've, I've been fortunate enough to take quite a few mountain mule deer over the years and, um, yeah, I just, you're always like the, to me, the really cool thing with Montana is like, there are really big mule deer in this state, but they are extremely hard to find. Like they're ghosts They're They might be a total illusion. You might, they, there might not even be one that exists in the whole mountain range that you're hunting, but you know, over years and years of hunting, like you see deer that have the potential to like grow into something really big or like in my case, actually kind of where we were hunting, I found a, um, like five years ago, like a, a match set of like 170, uh, mule deer antlers up there. And then two years later, um, actually missed a buck that I think went about 180. He actually got killed by an outfitter um, a couple days later. 
and so we, we were back in kind of hunting that that same same zone and um so I, I just i knew the area had potential and uh yeah so we uh we saw this in this really kind of sneaky little zone this big big old gnarly three-point and he's I don't, I don't know how many points he had in total but he's like a mainframe three-point and then he had big eye guards and a couple little extras and some stickers and stuff like really cool deer and like like when I first saw him I was like oh like you know when you first see a big mutely it like hits you and you get pretty stoked and then uh, yeah then I'm just like okay like I saw him from behind they always look better from behind and uh yeah I watched him for a while and then uh decided not to go after him and then we then we really we sorry relocated him two days later and like I don't know I, I don't know how to score a, a big three-point but you, you killed a really nice three-point a couple years ago and it went went 160 and you're like this thing goes every bit of 160 which as a three-point is a really big three-point <laughs> oh yeah I bet he's at least 165 165 if not bigger oh geez now, now he's just messing with me but <laughs> I'm dead serious man I don't know yeah I mean until you can get closer, it's hard to, like, really put a number on him. But Yeah, totally. Compared to my buck, like, he was wider, and all of his tying length was was overall longer. Yeah, yeah. So but. I'd give him an extra five inches <laughs> at least. <laughs> all right, well. A really, really nice three-point either way. But, uh, no, kind of – I mean, my – just threes Mike, aren't threes must not be your thing. He's not into a three. If he's a one ninety three, I wouldn't shoot him. <laughs> not true. No, it's just uh, yeah, years and years of hunting. Like, so why do you why did you pass on that deer? Well, I passed on that deer because of the idea that a well because there's so much a season left and like I know there's potential for bigger deer and mm-hmm. I want to I I just I want to continue to learn like. Yeah. If I would have shot that deer, like sweet, awesome, like again, cool deer, like I would have been tickled, but like he just wasn't quite at the like I just feel like there would have been something left over, you sure. know, like I would have left something on the mountain or I needed to like just like ah so, so anyway, like at, I'm always in that search for like at know. what point though are you like what if day one there was a hundred and eighty inch buck? Well, absolutely. How do you make that decision though? Yeah. Because it's like you could. There's bigger. There's bucks bigger than 180. <laughs> yeah. No, That's I don't a know. Tough it's, one, right? It is a tough one for sure. But like, I just I don't want to have. And don't take this wrong way, because like I I would I never and I, I never have nor nor will I ever re- regret sh- taking an animal. Um, that's like a very sacred thing, and like it's it's hunting, and you should always be stoked and and everything. But like. I just want to spend as much time out there as I possibly can to find the most mature animal that I possibly can. And like, um, yeah, again, shooting that deer would have been awesome, but there's just, I don't know. I just, in my mind, it was like, I know there's bigger deer somewhere. And so like, I just wanted to like, if I end the season and I don't kill a deer, like that's totally cool. Um, because like, assuming my truck gets fixed here, I'll like, I'll (laughs) actually get out in the woods for like the last 10 days of season and hunt super hard and probably learn a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So, and like, you know, like you say, if you, if you can kill a 180 or 170 deer every five years, even like that's pretty good for Montana for sure. So if that's, if I don't, especially when it's like actually like legitimately tapes that just like doesn't look that in photos. Cause I see a lot (laughs) of like 130 to 150 bucks. Oh man. People set up to look 
quite a bit larger. Yeah. I've always wanted to, to do a vlog or just, you just do photos or whatever, but take like a, uh, I don't know, I'm just looking around my house here. Like I've got a, a white tail that scores like, like 160, true 160, like actually taped them out. Um, <laughs> anyway, you could take a GoPro and get like right up in the thing's grill and like yeah. take a photo. And then you could like back out to like maybe two feet away with the same camera, with the GoPro, take a photo. You, you know, you could do it with a variety of lenses and just like compare them all to yeah. show like how much distortion is added by these lenses. And like, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I don't hate on people like trying to make stuff look bigger. I think the goal with shooting images of like of animals is to make them look as cool as possible mm -hmm. and really, really put them on the pedestal. Like, For sure. um, I, I think that's kind of the goal with, with shooting images, but like sometimes it can be so stinking misleading and like a guy rolls around with a GoPro and he makes a, a hundred, like you say, 130 inch mule deer look like 230. Like you just can't even <laughs> tell anymore. So you're just like, ugh. Uh, drives me nuts but <laughs> man but we're here at drake's house and now i'm looking at his elk on the wall and wondering where the hell they live because i've been out <laughs> chasing them and i don't know dude they live seen in our a lot of, <laughs> seen a lot of legal bulls but just nothing big man. Uh, okay we're back uh <laughs> my batteries died just I'm not doing good with batteries right now. But Drake was asking me why I passed legal bulls this year, and I was just talking about how I have meat in the freezer. And, I mean, for me, hunting, it's not just about meat. It is one of the reasons. But I just like hunting. Like, I like learning more about the animal. I like the challenge of, like, finding mature animal. Like, where do they live? Why do they live? How do they react to pressure? Like, what habitat do they use at different times of the year and different, different weather and in different you know, parts of the state of Montana or across the West. Um, and then, I mean, pro for me, like half of my hunting is about myself and like what I want to accomplish. And the other half, which is the more rewarding part, I would say is like helping other people who haven't hunted a lot, like have a really cool experience, Yeah, you know? So like my buddy Brandon and I had been out hunting you know, a couple of days, uh, put the wall tent up and saw, I don't know, maybe a dozen legal bulls, you know, or maybe like eight or 10 the one day. And we tried a different spot. And then I'd invited my brother and, you know, he asked if he could bring his brother-in-laws along. And I was like, sure, man, like, absolutely. Like, let's just go hunting. Like, I just love hunting with people. And, um, Joe had never killed a bull elk and my buddy max had never killed a bull elk and so i was just stoked to like take what i've learned and like you know it's still going to be a hard day of hunting and it's still hunting but like i'm going to put these guys in a position to where like the chances of us seeing a bull and killing one and having that experience are like pretty good and like i can appreciate the struggle of hunting and i think a lot of people do but at the same token i think some people don't have that much time and it's super rewarding for them to go out for a day and like have the full experience. And I think they have more of a passion to like continue to do that moving forward than like, Oh my goodness, that sucked. That was horrible. You know? So I took these guys in and <clears throat> we hiked back probably two hours in the dark. You know, we left the trailhead at like four twenty in the morning 
and hiked for two hours and they all i think were kind of like wondering what they'd got themselves into <laughs> by the time we got back there but we immediately were on bowls and like took you know the better part of the day to like get in on these bowls that we had bedded in this timber and uh, joe made a awesome shot of 400 yards like through this tiny gap in the timber that took us like it took us a good two hours of like moving around and letting the bulls move around before we got like one clean gap and it was like the gap was less than like probably like the size of a normal like upper half of a human body wow you know like i'm pretty sure it's gonna you know the trajectory's gonna send it right through there and he made a sweet shot and like got it on the phone scope and uh he killed that bull in his bed and we packed it out and there were five of us so it was like super easy pack out you know we got that thing out in two or three hours but um yeah i don't know i mean if meat's not an issue i definitely like to hunt and uh i set like rough standards for myself but if i look at that animal and i want to shoot it immediately that usually is like enough like yeah. if i have to look at it for more than five minutes it's probably just not doing it for me yeah and like i'm okay i mean some people i don't know hunting the world of hunting <laughs> <laughs> and the way people want to portray and talk about it like hunting's fun and totally. i like to go hunting you do it for you <laughs> yep and i do it for me and i have my yeah. own reasons and drake has his own reasons and everybody should have their own reasons and as long as you're following the rules and doing it ethically, like I don't care what your reasons are, you know. Yep. If you want to go shoot a rag blast a raghorn every year, like that's awesome. Totally. <laughs> if you want a trophy hunt and kill a bull every two to five years, like great, you know. But yeah, that's my short justification. Where are you at, Drake? I don't know. I'm trying to think where that leads us. Uh, yeah, we were talking about your mule deer hunt, and that if there's any other, any other key points there, any other nice takeaways. The little pop up camper was nice. Yeah, we spent I'll a couple. That. Yeah, go for it. You tell me. I probably can't speak to it correctly. <laughs> it's what? What's it called? Four wheel camper. Yeah. So this last spring. Um, I bought a pop-up camper for my little Tacoma and it's called a four wheel camper. It's pretty expensive, but like it's, it's pretty awesome for the lifestyle that I live It uh, it's a very lightweight model. It weighs like 800 pounds, which in the world of campers is actually pretty light. Um, but it's got a heater in it. It's got a little cook, cook stove. It's got a big pullout bed. You can sleep two guys in there. No problem. Um, the pop-up is tall enough that a guy that's 6'4 won't touch his head. Uh, I've got solar panels in there. I've got two big deep cycle batteries so I can charge charge my computer. Like, kind of, it, it's a really awesome hunting base for sure. So we spent mm -hmm. a couple nights um, in that thing, and uh, you know, we spent a handful of nights up on the mountain as well. But, man, camper life is is pretty rad, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty stoked on that. But, yeah, we backpack hunted to start, and... I took my tarp is all I took and <laughs> not a warm enough sleeping bag. And <laughs> it looked cold. <laughs> boots were frozen. Uh. <laughs> it really was not like too bad. Uh, the second night wasn't bad at all, but man, if you haven't been doing like late season backpack hunting, it takes a couple like nights to kind of like get your mental state. I feel like 
more than anything where it needs to be yeah you like know, that like, first morning woke up and it's like i was just like <sighs> i like flick my headlamp on and then like the inside of my tent has got i don't know yeah a, a, a centimeter of frost on the entire thing and i'm just like oh no <laughs> uh yeah it's just winter winter camping fun but uh so yeah it's really nice to go back to an actual camper and have that as kind of a as a base um i did years and years where i either would sleep on the mountain or sleep in a tent at my truck um or just sleep underneath my my topper in the back of my truck and uh like it definitely works but it's just not that comfortable and after a while i just found that i mentally wasn't as into it i guess and like i would get i would just mentally get exhausted a lot quicker and so so having the camper is is pretty rad and now i just need a a truck that actually works so i can go take advantage of that so i'm I'm, I'm being a sad panda right now because my truck's broken but that's okay it's inevitable (laughs) that drake's gonna need a new truck he's just really trying to milk this one out for for whatever reason (laughs) (laughs) but hopefully you don't hear about his truck when he gets a new one yeah I think everybody kind of like recognizes your vehicle. Oh yeah, Ooh, maybe I'll maybe I'll. That's like a good. That's a good thing to like. Just be conscientious of is like, especially in Bozeman, Montana, and I'm sure other places that are hubs like Salt Lake City or just places where there's a lot of hunters and a lot of industry. Oh yeah. Like people recognize your truck yeah. if you post it and talk about it and show it and like. <laughs> it's pretty easy way for people to know where you're hunting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky for sure. I get that a lot. And, um, yeah, this, uh, early in September I was out scouting an area and, uh, okay. So long story short, I got there like midnight and then the next morning I was hiking in at first light, just, just hiking way in deep to go scouting. And I, I get like two miles in and then like all of a sudden all these like chainsaws start erupting in the woods. I'm like, what on earth? And then I look across the, the canyon and there's a, there's like two, two big vehicles with like six guys running chainsaws. And I'm like, ah, dang, like obviously they're part of like, you know, some, some restoration project or, or something, you know, it's, um, so I, I was bummed cause it messed up the scouting, but whatever, they're just doing their job. And so I do a big loop that day, and, uh, and then when I'm kind of coming back to my truck, um, I get I get to this little knob, and I'm like I'm like two miles from the truck, and I like I look up at my truck, and I can see the camper popped up there, and there's this there's this truck parked right next to it, and like there's a guy, and he's just he just looks mad, and I <laughs> and I can't like he just has this demeanor, he's kind of walking around, stomping around, like walking circles, and then he like goes over to my truck, and he's like taking pictures of it. And I'm watching him through the spotter. I'm like, this is just weird. And then, like, the, the, the people running the chainsaws are still running chainsaws. And next thing I know, the guy gets back in his truck, and he starts honking the horn. And he, literally, he held the horn on his, like, he held the horn down for probably three minutes. Like, I got footage of this, him just, like, full honk for, like, three whole minutes. I'm like, I never knew a horn actually went that long. You should like, put that in a vlog. Oh, gosh, Yeah. <laughs> It's crazy, but, uh, so anyway, so finally, well, so I, I felt pretty uncomfortable about it. Like I'm way out in the boonies. I'm just like, man, like this just seems weird. And so like, I'm, I'm going to wait until that guy leaves. Hopefully he leaves until I go back to my truck. And then finally he left and whatever. Um, so like four days goes by 
And then I get a phone call from some random number, and um, they leave a voicemail, and <laughs> basically they like. I should probably just play the voicemail, but it's it's pretty bad. I'd have to <laughs> bleep out some stuff. But uh, this guy, this person on the other end of the phone, is accusing me of pushing elk off of public land and put and pushing them onto private for my own like benefit and he calls me a pro hunter and then he <laughs> tells me I'm a bleepity bleep 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 and then like click and I'm just like holy crap so I like immediately call the number back they don't pick up and then I and then I text <laughs> of course. Them. yeah of Keyboard course warrior. <laughs> so then I, I text this person I was like hey like I'm being accused of xyz like definitely not me I don't know what you're talking about um like happy like like give me a call like happy to clear the air here um <laughs> and then they they text back and they said that's not what i saw and then they said that's not what i heard and i was like oh so you must have been that black truck and like you maybe somehow assumed i was in there running chainsaws i guess so anyway so <clears throat> this individual we go back and forth for like an hour of texting and like he's going off the deep end and like he's he's literally accusing me of going in there and running with, with six other guys running chainsaws all day long to spook elk out of this area, and I'm like, dude, like one, like I've got a little tiny truck that like you can barely fit two people in, if and, and obviously and he took a picture of my truck and sent it to me. Like if you would have looked in my truck, like like I don't even own a chainsaw. Yeah. Like there, there's nothing logical at all about what this individual was was getting at and and i was trying i was being very um diplomatic diplomatic that's a great (laughs) word (laughs) to try to like talk him off a ledge here because i'm like man like that no 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 that's not what i was doing like i'm a public land hunter too like blah 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 like i even sent him photos of some of the the deer and stuff that i had seen in there and uh (laughs) and uh yeah but he just he just was going crazy um so anyway, so finally I was like, hey, like, if you feel like there's foul play here, like, call the game warden. And I, and I actually gave him the game warden's phone number. Yeah. And, and so, whatever, a couple, day go, a couple days go by, and uh, he actually ended up calling Titmont, which is, like, the number that you call if you suspect poaching. Yeah. So this individual called Titmont and reported me on Titmont. <laughs> Which is just crazy. And then, so then I ended up, I, I finally got, I, I got in touch with the local game warden to tell him, like, what the heck was going on. And then, and then he was the one, he's like, oh, yeah, this guy actually called you in on Titmont. And, like, and the game warden's just laughing because he's like, dude, this guy is going off the deep end, even, even like, to, even to the game warden. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Long story short. Long story short, they were in there doing a wildlife restoration project. Obviously, nobody was in there chasing animals off of public land by pinning no, chainsaws. The guy was was way <laughs> off base for sure. Yeah, entirely. But he was able to recognize your truck, or someone else was able to recognize it pretty easily to like get. Well, yeah. Then he got my phone number. Yeah. So and it's some, it, it, it was a Bozeman phone number, or it was a Belgrade yeah. phone number, which is just creepy. So it's probably someone listening to this, this podcast. <laughs> could be. Could be. They should come on the podcast. They we'd love to have you. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'd have plenty to talk about. Yeah, uh, it's tricky, man. It's like, you know, I, a lot of the content that I do, it's, it is it is 
based out of my vehicle and like my vehicle is a, is a cool little element to it all but and then you know you run into this issue of like everybody recognizes your vehicle and yeah run into issues like this where now i'm like holy crap like kind of makes you uneasy about being out there and mm-hmm. like even when you and i were hunting we, you know every time we ran into yeah. people like oh like i know you yeah. we're like oh crap <laughs> i mean it's flattering right it's cool it's, it's, it's awesome to have yeah. it build a connection but at the same time it's, it's like, fun to talk to people out there but sometimes you just want to like fly under the radar totally and just do your thing and not have to have other people know too much about yeah like, like as hunters we're very hunter. we're very you know keep everything contained within either ourselves or like us and our closest like hunting buddies you yeah. know this isn't like this big like group activity you know and so it's yeah, it's tricky in the, the world of people recognizing your rigs and stuff. So so anyway, if I do get a new truck, you probably won't ever see anything about me posting of <laughs> my you, vehicle. You'll see something, but it might be more like shaded than... <laughs> it would be really subtle. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah um, sorry, that was a crazy long story, but it was it was pretty pretty wild. Yeah. So I've got a great voicemail, so if I have any friends that want to listen to it, it's, it's pretty comical. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people can find out a lot about you nowadays and just... The photography and the photos you take, you know, anytime you're going on a hunt with someone, you know, like I talked to Drake about it and I like sent him the gallery before I send it, you know, to Sitka just to be like, hey, double check this. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there's no landmarks in there, but, you know, I mean, assume anything that you send to someone could get plastered on a huge billboard or yeah. print ads in Eastman's or whatever, you know, and if totally. it's you know, easily showing an identifiable landmark in your favorite hunting spot. Yeah. Like <laughs> it might not be worth it, you know, and we were able to get some really good imagery that was super nondescript on where we're at, you yeah. know? Yeah. I try to do that. I mean, every hunt that I go on, you know, even if it's a guided hunt that, you know, just the client's paying for me to go and photograph it. Like I always, I'll, I'll try to talk to the, to the guide or the outfit and be like, Hey, like, you know, they, they usually, know what i do but i just i'd always ask him like hey like is there any issues with me posting some like landscape shots of, of this country mm-hmm. and some will be like yeah like no problem but like you know if you kill something like try to keep it totally on the, the dl like we just don't want to there's just so much resident pressure or, or whatever so it's, it's good to have that communication you know kind of always constant and always ongoing with mm-hmm. whoever you're photographing just just so that you don't potentially yeah blow up a hunting spot it's just crazy how much like little tidbits of information spread around you know oh man yeah it's pretty funny (laughs) and i don't mind giving people information sometimes you can like get information by giving it you know yeah like oh yeah you see anything up there yeah i saw like three smaller bowls you know but nothing too big today like you know sometimes you're like if you're hunting here, you know that there's animals here. Yeah. <laughs> so I might try to like see what you know about the spot because I'm trying to figure out where the big ones are at. <laughs> uh, some hunters just love to talk to you. Like I've multiple times, I don't even say a word hardly, and they're like, "Oh, I saw this and that. Mm-hmm. We saw this huge thing." And I'm just like, "Wow." <laughs> yeah. But um, I guess to wrap up your mule deer hunt, <clears throat> I mean, every time you go on a photo shoot, though, just think of like feedback for the brand you're working with of like how they can make your job easier and how you can streamline their process, whether it's you delivering the images or just getting the right vision from the brand before you go on the shoot. Um, Sitka's definitely one of the leaders and probably having, you know, their eggs in a row, but there's still things that could be more streamlined on that front. And so, you know, 
Drake and I were in a unique situation where we've both worked at them and have seen photo briefs and know everyone there and know the process, but we definitely brainstormed things that we did or didn't like and are going to communicate that to the team and whether they do anything with it or not is up to them. But like, I think anytime you can provide value, like most people are going to recognize that and want to work with you more um, than just being the guy that just like, yep, he showed up on the photo shoot and yep, he sent the photos in his invoice, you know, like, yeah, like okay. provide feedback. Feedback is so valuable. It's like, hey, here's some killer. Like we went above and beyond and shot a couple extra like videos while we were up there because we just started thinking about like, okay, if we're focusing on product and this is what Zika is wanting, like what about this piece or what if we did this, you know, and like so to come back and be like, hey, here's a couple extra things we shot. Here's some feedback we have for like maybe how you can get better content, yep. you know, even if it's not me shooting it in the future. I just think that's like a big value add. So it's a good thing to do. And that just goes back to like what we teach in the course of just trying to understand business as a photographer and like, how are you adding value to the brand? You know, I mean, pretty images are great, but they just, they're a dime a dozen. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you got to try to connect the dots for what the brand or the client or whoever you're shooting for needs and what the purpose for them is and try to do an awesome job. So yeah. Um, that's a little update of what we've been up to. Uh, there's probably like days worth of talking about other stuff that we've done, but try to keep these pretty short. So yeah, man, you got any, any closing thoughts or call it a wrap? I think we call it a wrap. All righty guys. We're going to sign off.